with Robbie and Phoenix. Uh, I am one of the hosts of the show, hosted for every episode, um, Phoenix Zarola. And with me, as always, is the reigning current Mania Moments podcast champion, Robbie DeShazer. If you smell what the Rob is cooking. That's right. I'm taking nice. the Rock's soundbite. From my own soundboard. What oh are you going to do about it? None of you produce the show. <laughs> That's <laughs> it's it's what um, I do. <laughs> even yeah, if I, I was so. even if I wasn't the champion, I'm I'm like Kevin Dunn, but better. <laughs> that's not hard. <laughs> that's yeah. That's a low bar to say. That's like saying uh, I'm like not trash. <laughs> I'm just fine, a person. Fine. I'm the Tony Khan of this establishment. <laughs> I am the forbidden door. So I, if you're taking uh, the rocks drop, um, when is, when are we going to get uh, young Rob on NBC? Young Rob is uh, <laughs> about my childhood growing up uh, in uh, Houston, Texas is actually already a movie called boyhood uh, by Richard Linklater. <laughs> Oh right the so, the script title was called Young Rob. Yeah, even though it was happening while I was still young. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it that it, it is how it is. You know, we my parents sold the naming rights uh, for myself to uh, acclaimed filmmaker Richard Linklater while I was still in utero. Um, yeah, which was a good decision on their part. Good decision, you know. I, I don't mm-hmm. know if I agree with the casting choice. I don't know why we didn't just film me, but <laughs> hey, you know that that one guy that that you know he did fine. Ethan, yeah, Hawk. he did he did okay. He he was a you know a cute little boy and then grew up looking kind of weird. Yeah, I hear now he does like short films for anyone who lives in Austin that just wants him in a short film. So. Oh, that's cool. I don't know. You think he showed up? I, I have a friend who I think uh, he was in their film, so he's for hire, guys. He's he's all grown nice. up now. He cannot go back down to the boy size. No, unless you when, pay him well. He's just every night. He's just sitting at the at the phone in his room and just waiting for Richard Linklater to say, "Hey, I've got um, a movie called Manhood that I want to make." That's actually a show called Old Rob that will be coming out uh, long after I'm dead. Yeah. Uh, Have you seen any of Young Rock yet? I watched the first episode. The first episode was cute. Is any of it also good? I've seen the first two episodes. Um, I thought the first episode, yeah, was, was nice. And then the second episode, I was like, all right, I don't really care enough anymore. Wait, did I see the second episode too? Is the second episode where he takes the girl from his school to see his dad, like at a uh, do a show at a flea market? 
Yeah. Okay, then I saw that one too. Oh, okay. That was but also yeah, cute. You, you I think they were I think they were both available and then it was like, gotta wait till next week for episode three, and then I was like, Okay. <laughs> I watched yeah, I was just like I think I was home in uh in San Antonio and I was like I might as well give this a shot. It's on and I have cable. And then I watched the first one. I was like, yeah, sure. And then I watched the second one. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. It, it, it reveals too much about the business. They're, yeah. The, the old heads in wrestling are like, he's breaking cave. Yes. He, he totally, he totally, rev- you know, pulls the curtain back. Hanging out with uncle Sheik, which I, yeah. I really doubt they called him that. That seems mean. Oh, 100%. <laughs> what? You just want I, to... No, I, I 100% doubt, like, doubt they called him that. I think yeah. it's literally just because they just want people to know that it's the Iron Sheik. I mean, they should, Bubba. They should. Yeah. But, Everyone I mean, follow the Iron Sheik on Twitter. You won't regret it. All these people are out here, you know, thinking they're... It's it, that'd be the same as you know thinking that uh, Seth Rollins goes home at night and uh, his wife Rebecca Quinn calls him uh, Seth Rollins and not Colby, which is his name. You know, yeah. Like, you think Roman Reigns goes home and his wife's like, "Hi, Roman." She's like, "No, what's up, Joe?" Because <laughs> because <laughs> it's his name. Yeah, the only one where it's not Randy Orton goes home and his wife calls him Randy Orton because that's his name. That's... No, she calls him Randall. She calls him Randall. Come here, Randall come Keith. Here, Randall. Randall Keith. Where are you? I'm. Lo- <laughs> Randall Keith Orton. You rascal! You didn't do the dishes today. Yep, that's what he. That's that's what happens. Is yeah. And then you know, and then we all know that Bray Wyatt goes home and is referred to as Husky Harris, uh, but. <laughs> That's just, you know, because people bully him. Yeah. That's all it is. I, uh, just speaking of Husky Harris, that has been my favorite thing to recently use uh, on some NXT articles I did for Wrestling News World. Was I did some stuff about, you know, how NXT has changed. I did a couple of articles about how NXT has changed. And I think for uh, two of them, one of them for the actual image I used... (laughs) the card that showed Husky Harris on the original, the like game show style NXT. And then the other, yeah. and his mentor was Cody Rhodes. So have, uh, let me see if I can find it. I need to look up my name on wrestling news world. And there's a lot to talk about. Other, Did I you just, like? I don't know how much have you how much have you seen of the game show NXT? Like, have you wa- gone back to that? Or I've watched do you mostly just know like the current NXT. I mostly know the current NXT. I have gone back and watched the first season because I like Daniel Bryan and I like Wade Barrett. I have not watched anything else from that. What do you think? It's fine. I think it actually the one thing it really does for me is uh it really makes me think a lot about how good of a feud the Miz versus Daniel Bryan has been, you know? So yeah, here we go. I used I, it. I used it on a, who will be the first NXT graduate inducted into the WWE hall of fame. 
And it's an image that says pro Cody Rhodes, rookie Husky Harris. <laughs> and it's uh, fantastic. It's a, it was a great use of an image. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sending Speaking it. Speaking of Cody Rhodes. I'm sending it to you through our Discord so you can see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let me see. Speaking of Cody Rhodes and Daniel Bryan, do you think at all Daniel Bryan is going to AEW? No. Like, do you think that has any link? I mean, is he going to – could he go to AEW? Sure, he could. But his contract – what what the news that was dropped last <laughs> night was that he, he is going – or that he his contract expired uh, after his match with Roman Reigns last week um, on SmackDown. And I think there's, I think the big thing to remember here is that we know he wants to work a part-time schedule now, and we know he wants to work as a backstage producer in addition to it. So what that screams to me is that he didn't sign an extension on his contract because he didn't want what his current, his previous contract had. He doesn't want to work that part-time schedule. So, I mean... It, there's nothing to say that he won't pop up anywhere, but I think there's more evidence that he'll stay with WWE. Um, yeah. I remember just seeing that quote like from like a month or so ago when he was talking about how, uh, or maybe it wasn't a month ago, but it like popped up a month ago and it's like an older quote or something, but he was saying like how he wanted to like expand and try like other places or whatever in his wrestling career or something and everyone was like oh shit that means he's going to AEW and at the time I was like I don't think that means anything <laughs> whatever he's still like contracted he's got this like re- like title run kind of set in like I don't think he would leave and then this came out and I was like oh now I'm like maybe maybe, maybe. I, I I think he's the reason that because last week we also got rumors that WWE is considering working with other promotions, namely MLW. I think that that those conversations are a direct result of Daniel Bryan wanting to expand the horizons of WWE. So I I just I think I think there's too much evidence to suggest that his role will just be changing and less so that he's going to pop up on AEW. You know, like what I think I think most I think most likely in order of likelihood most likely is he stays with WWE, he gets a new contract there. Second most likely is he spends a couple of years working independent bookings, just do it popping up wherever he wants to. Whenever he wants to, taking the time off he that he wants with his kids, and then I think option three is he. I think the third most relevant is he signs with AEW or Impact or Ring of Honor, like any of the major U.S. promotions. I don't think we see him going to Japan anytime soon, other than like a one-off appearance. So yeah, I think he's definitely like thinking about his family, and he's like, I can't go to Japan. Yeah. I could I could see him doing something, and not that this ended up turning into a run some uh, elsewhere for someone. I could see him kind of having the deal that Jericho had when his WWE contract 
finished up, which was that he was allowed to, you know, he was supposed to go back to WWE, but he ended up working all those matches in Japan, and things started be quickly becoming AEW, and then he really left. I could see something like that where he's, you know, they let him, that WWE gives Daniel Bryan the faith to, like, go show up other places and actually use the Daniel Bryan name so that he can, you know, be the WWE representation in the independent world. But, I don't know. There's also a chance that they're mad that Jericho ran off after that, and <laughs> uh, they won't <laughs> let anyone ever do that again. But, yeah, the only other... Well, I mean, Jericho's also just, like, such a veteran that, like, he kind of... I feel like they kind of are like, yeah, he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. And I would say the only other person on in WWE right now that I think Vince would have that same kind of faith in and that same kind of like, if that makes that same kind of, well, it's good for, even if you show up somewhere else, it's good for us is Daniel Bryan. I don't think, you know, I think it, I think the pros and cons of it's better for Daniel Bryan to show up for a one-off appearance on ring of honor than it is for Brian Danielson to sign a contract with Impact or something, you know. Yeah, that's that's where I'll I'll leave it at that. But fair. This this show isn't about relevant uh, wrestling news. We're just stalling from talking about some of the matches at WrestleMania 2000. That's, yeah, we're going back in time. Yep. Going twenty one. This WrestleMania can drink now. Did you think about that? I didn't think about that, but I had. I found out another fun fact. Well, not fun. It's actually kind of a sad fact. I thought you were gonna be like, I found out a fun fact. Did you know I've been legally able to drink for like a couple of years now? (laughs) It's crazy. I was like, why didn't anyone tell me? Thanks, you can tell me I can drive. Um. Uh. No. Sad facts. (laughs) that I found out was um, apparently, and I I'm saying it now because we have already covered this, like the WrestleMania that I'm going to talk about. And so I can't say it on that episode, but um, WrestleMania 18 uh, is the oldest WrestleMania that you can go to where uh, everyone in that, everyone wrestling it is still alive. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like seventeen and beyond, or seventeen and after that, there's like like handfuls of wrestlers who are dead. But yeah. eighteen is the oldest, where everyone is still alive, still kicking, still doing things. All the performers in it, and that's not that doesn't even hold up for ones that are newer than because we've there's yeah. been some untimely deaths, you know. Uh, yeah, Eddie yeah. Guerrero, that, that Chris Benoit. Not to say that everyone <laughs> after that is good. It just means that that one in particular is the only one. Or the the last one you can go to and say that. You ever you just sit up late at night and think about the fact that Hulk Hogan is still alive, but Eddie Guerrero is dead. Oh, I don't <laughs> like to think about that. <laughs> Do you just you ever think about that and wish it was the other way around? <sighs> I I mean, like basic time would would assume that's that's how it should have been. Yeah. Yeah, Eddie Hulk Hogan should not have outlived Eddie Guerrero if like the natural order of human life happened the way it does. But (sighs) 
you know, it stings. Yeah. But you know what? I don't I what You know what doesn't have sting? WrestleMania 2000, because WCW still existed for yeah, just for, another for the year. Moment. For just another year. Uh, yeah. Um, it was April 2nd, 2000, in Anaheim, California, at the Arrowhead Pond of Anaheim, home of the Mighty Ducks, now the Honda Center. Uh, Ducks fly together. Yeah. The Arrowhead Pond of Anaheim, much better name for a uh, hockey arena than the Honda Center. If I do say so. Yeah, I would agree. You know, it's, it's, we're, we're just, we're losing our individuality of these stadiums because they all got to go corporate. Check this crazy shit out. They do the national anthem and not America the Beautiful. That was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean that sincerely. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. They always do America the Beautiful. And hey, they got Keith David to do the narrating the narration on the opening video. Good for Keith yeah, David. Yeah, cool. Yeah, shout out to Keith David. Uh, most of, I, it was an opening video that hyped up only the main event, which is of course the infamous McMahon in every corner match. Um, not infamous yeah. in that it's necessarily bad, but infamous in that it took a very long time and was a little bit overhyped. <laughs> Yeah, it also is infamous because it's it's maybe the clearest like McMahon's kind of follow themselves match that has ever existed just because it's literally McMahon and his entire family booking the main event in the biggest like promotion of the year. So for like the WrestleMania 2000s, I'm making like a big whole thing of like this is the new wrestling, and it's just like yeah, let's just celebrate our family because we're all rich and powerful and do stuff. Yeah, <laughs> Stephanie's only 23, but she's more powerful than anyone in this entire building. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, also, I, my first note is this is definitely late Attitude Era because there are so many signs. So many signs in the crowd. There are yes, (laughs) people are outnumbered by signs. Like, yeah, that's my favorite part. Well, maybe not my favorite part. That's one of my favorite parts about the attitude area. I love the signs. I'm a big sign guy. Yeah, you big. You you watch college game day just for the signs, Phoenix. Oh, dude, the the sign memes that come up during on college game days. Very way better than the actual games. Way better than college. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Those signs don't charge me thousands of dollars that I have yeah, to pay back. True. Um, um, and then, but yes, there are a shitload of signs. Yep. Yeah. And then it's time for a match that uh, looks very bad uh, in terms of 2021 standards. <laughs> we got the Godfather and D'Lo and... Brown with Ice T. What a yeah, and. Peacock cuts out Ice T's entrance where he raps. Yeah, they do. And I is it because they uh he the hose come out with him? Maybe I don't know. It did feel like such a rushed start, and I was like, did they cut something? Did Peacock cut yeah. something? Has this been cut forever? Well, I have not watched this WrestleMania before, but I could tell something was not right. Because I was like, why no, are you gonna have very, I- no, 
Why is Wikipedia telling me that iced tea is there? I can see iced tea, and no one has made a big deal about iced tea being there. Like, yep. I don't know. I thought maybe someone like said the n word with a hard R or something. <laughs> like, maybe I think it's it could be the hose thing. Yeah, maybe the WWE likes to, you know. Not not acknowledge the fact that they did have a character whose literal thing was just like they that they just like had prostitutes around them the whole time. Um, plus, I could also see Ice T like rapping about that or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's pro. It's probably something he probably said. Honestly, with the with the fight being against Big Boss Man, I thought there was a chance he said something like super anti cop that just maybe too polarizing considering how the match goes, you know? Yeah. That I'm glad you brought that up because my first note for this match was, uh, a cab includes big boss, man. Uh, I think we established that. What is that? WrestleMania seven yeah. episode on that, where we, we established that big boss man, uh, sucks. Yeah. He does he's not suck. that great of a wrestler. I don't know why he's stuck around this long. His character I mean, I guess at least this version of him doesn't have the Confederate flag on his uniform. Yeah, he he just basically wears what face Roman Reigns wears. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna. I have a note about that too. I think I have. Uh, so, Bull Buchanan and the Big Boss Man are proto the Shield. Yeah, they really do look like that in this. I match. think I, I could swear that one of their vests is Seth Rollins' vest. <laughs> <laughs> from those days. I wouldn't doubt it. You know what I you know what I did rewatch? We were talking about bad old NXT. Uh I re I watched his Matt uh Seth Rollins versus Biggie Langston from their NXT days when Seth had recently been called up as a part of the Shield and Big E was called up and was doing stuff with Dolph Ziggler and AJ Lee at the time, but he was still an NXT guy. Like yeah, and so they transitioned the title to Big E, and then pretty soon after that, it transitioned to someone else. I don't remember who, but it, it was that match is really weird because clearly, like Seth Rollins is his character on NXT is not quite the Shield guy yet. They're pretty much the same, but <laughs> so you know he's he's had been on NXT for several months at that point. But then suddenly in this match, he's having to wear his shield stuff out <laughs> to the ring. Cause that's his, like they had to reconcile that character. So he's <laughs> like, it was weird. So they, it's just like this weird transitional thing where yeah, it's like, like his last, like his last like six weeks in NXT, he suddenly is wearing the shield vest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's bizarre. And comes out to the shield to theme, you know, but Luckily, we don't do that anymore with our NXT stars. No one goes to the main roster still holding the belt, and you've got to <laughs> reconcile yeah. that. Usually they just lose the belt and then show up the next week on Raw. Looking at you, Keith Lee. Um, <laughs> no, um, um, this isn't a great some... match. <laughs> it's a pretty no. tone-deaf tone death finish, you know. Yeah, um, Jim Ross noticeably bored in this match. Mm -hmm. I feel like he, even he, kind of acknowledges like that the crowd is not reacting at all. <laughs> yeah, 
That being said, even, it's a even shame. Even says at one point that it's like just a fist fight or something. Yeah. It is a shame, though, because D'Lo Brown and The Godfather are actually solid wrestlers. <laughs> That's the worst part about it. Is Yeah, they just got nothing to work with. Yeah. D'Lo especially, I think, goes on to have a much better career, and he's a great mind for wrestling, too. But it's just, this doesn't work for me. Doesn't, I gave it a two. You know, I don't, there's nothing necessarily bad about the wrestling. It's just kind of boring, and the finish isn't good. No, the finish is like the only wrestling they do, which is like a sidewalk slam and then a leg drop, which yeah. is like their only spot really, because it all is just like um, forearm punches or take or like clothesline takedowns and stuff that is very boring to watch. Um, that yeah, thought it was a very bad opener. Um, the crowd was very dead. The announcers, I think, couldn't even save it. Um, yeah. And then the end gets weirdly like implied sexual assaulty with like the big boss man and Wolby Cannon like chasing after the hose when they don't want to. I was yeah. like, this is also like a bad part of this. Um so instantly not a good start for this pay per view. Mm-hmm. Uh then we get a locker room segment with Triple H and Stephanie. They don't say much other than we're the WWF and the WWF women's champions. And then they maybe even they maybe don't even kiss. I don't know what's real real bland yeah. for the McMahon Helmsley uh, alliance there. But hey, uh, we get a flashback to Sunday Night Heat to learn the rules for the Hardcore Battle Royal. Which yeah, let's talk about the Hardcore Battle Royal. Uh, wait, can you uh, hold for a second? Yeah, I can hold for a second. Sorry, you're good. You're good. Grab what's up. Okay, cool. Wow. 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 Sorry, are you back? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I've been All here. Right, sorry. <laughs> you might have to cut that out. I, uh, I'm, I'm not cutting it out. It's staying there. It's uh, just... Oh. This comes right. out tomorrow. Well, just, when, when do you what, want me to cut it out? Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, listeners, if you did not like that pause in the moment, just blame my roommate Graham because he was being a nuisance. Oh, no. Um, it's okay. Yeah, he just forgot. He forgot I was recording. Mm. And I was like, hey. Um, but yeah, let's talk about this hardcore battle royal. I like the concept of the hardcore battle royal. And I, I like the championship scramble concept. And I think that this is the kind of championship you do it for. Because it doesn't work for world titles. We know it doesn't work for world titles, right? Yeah, absolutely. It does not. But... With the 24-7, this is a better version of what happens at WrestleMania 18 with uh, Goldust, and I can't remember, it was it Goldust and Maven in, the hard, in a hardcore match, and it in, turns into a bunch of people all getting the hardcore title. Is that correct? Is this sounding correct? Yeah, that sounds correct. Yeah. I think this is a better version of that. Uh, so we've got Taz... Yeah. Viscera, the Mean Street Posse, Hardcore Holly, Kai and Ty, the Headbangers, the Acolytes, and Crash Holly, who's the champion. Um, like that Crash brings the scale in with him. Um, yeah, but that was very funny. Um, Taz is my favorite in this entire match. I love Taz. I stand Taz. 
Yeah. Uh, that being said, and he, the acolytes are also good. Uh, who doesn't love Bradshaw and Farouk? You know? Yeah. Hardcore Holly, also a great hardcore champion. Yeah. Honestly, a fantastic group of people. So many shots to the head. So many. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This was the era for it. It yeah. was. Um, I just want to circle back and say that I do. I agree with you that I also like this in concept, this like hardcore battle royal um, kind of thing. Uh, I think the only thing that holds it back for me personally is that in this in this execution is I think um, there isn't a lot of clarity on. Uh, or maybe not clarity, but like choreography on like where the what spots are happening, because I think a lot of spots just happen like off camera and are like yeah. not seen or not noticed. Um, and then it makes it a bit unclear why people are like outside the ring when they don't need to be, or like why they all just don't gang up on one person um, because they that's how they become champion. There's a lot of like very odd like reasonings for things that they don't really go into. I think if it was, I think if it was executed a little bit better, it would make more sense to me and be a better like idea. But I think that's what holds in it. This match back in general for me before we get into like the weeds of it. Yeah. I I'm into it in general though. I mean, yeah, you're right. There's a couple of moments where I like point out that, uh, Oh, the cameras missed Taz hitting a suplex, but like commentary is talking about, you know, kind yeah. of stuff like that. But it's, it's honestly, I, I think it's a lot of fun. I think, uh, and we'll talk about it with uh, something else. Cause I sent you a clip that actually pertains to this WrestleMania. I sent it to you on TikTok, right? Did you see it? Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about that. I think this is definitely an example of that. Uh, a lot of talking beforehand between the wrestlers and none of that communicated to the uh, people in the booth or the people working the cameras or anything like that. So, yeah. Um, that being said, I mean, we could go over every spot and everyone who gets uh, a pin here and is champion for a little bit, but that just seems like a lot. So, no, I think we should just talk about our favorite parts of it. Uh, I like I, I liked Bradshaw trying to murder people with a steel pan with a baking that sheet. Was like, I was just about to say that when he's just like whacking everyone. That was very funny. Uh, let's see. I liked uh, going backstage. I liked that it left the main arena for a bit. Yeah, personally, I thought that's when it like really picked up. Mm-hmm. Like I thought the I thought it was kind of slow at the beginning, but then once it. I think um, Funaki becomes champion, yeah. and then he just darts back to the backstage area, and then that's when I—that's when it got like really exciting, and then yeah. I think even picked up when they came back. Um, I also liked when um, Taz and Hardcore Holly fought in the ring and got like ECW chants going. Mm-hmm. That was like a, that was a nice moment. Yeah, I would say that there's some. Yeah, I think most of it seems planned out after uh, Funaki leaves the arena. Because then everything seems to... There's not really a lot of missed spots when it comes to the camera. There's some weird stuff where Taz keeps trying to pin people for some reason. I don't know why. He might be concussed. I think there's a good chance he's concussed. <laughs> but Yeah, it's possible. Even the announcer's going to bring it up. They're just like, he's uh, just doing it out of in- instinct. 
I love um I really love Taz with the Taz mission locked in on Crash and hardcore coming to s- and smashing a candy jar. Like the finish is really good. Uh, like, oh yeah. And just like timed like perfectly. Like he gets the like on like clocked um time management like really well done. Yeah. They they pull off that finish really well. And in order for it to end in controversy, like it they were they did they did their work for the end of that for sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, is there anything I'm trying to think if there's anything else that really really stood out to me? I will say it was a lot of fun and it was a lot better than the first match. So I gave it a 4. I think it was maybe my third favorite match of the night. <laughs> like in all honesty. Yeah. That's that's fair. I I enjoyed it as well. Um I I uh I oh, one thing I also forgot to say. Um I did also like that everyone got an entrance. Yes, that um, was good too. Under underrated for WrestleMania Battle Royals cuz sometimes they just start them everyone inside and you're like they didn't even get cheers, but they get, they announced everyone when um they all walked down and got like a a chair, which was cool. Um I like this one too. I don't know if I would like it that much um cuz I did have some issues with its uh with it being a little bit slow at the beginning and then um I think there were some clear like miscues with the camera crew and stuff, but Aside from that, um, it was it was fun. It was a fun, yeah. and it was very attitude era, which is great. Yes. I think I like that, and even though it was slower at the beginning, I liked that it was fifteen minutes. I think fifteen minutes is the perfect amount of time for that kind of chaos on a card like this. Even yeah, though I, I have agree. no clue how this uh, WrestleMania is three hours and eighteen minutes long, all of the matches are so <laughs> short. <laughs> Uh, that's because of the main event, yeah. <laughs> which we'll get to. But yeah, and the um, I noticed that while watching, and it was kind of insane. Yeah, uh, let's do this and let's talk about this next match, and then we'll take a little break. Um, so we get a we oh f- sorry before that, uh, we get a rest the world's longest WrestleMania access uh, video package. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was so insanely long. I, but there are two notes I have from it. Uh, Kane just chilling in his mask doing a uh, signing, which is, like, not weird for wrestling in general. I think, there, you know, a lot of luchadors wear their masks while doing public events and stuff, too. But it is very strange to see, like, Kane in, like, a turtleneck with the Kane mask on. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, and then, gross, young Michael Cole. That's... <laughs> Yes, young Michael Cole. Also, them really hemming up the idea of like you get to you hang out with Michael Cole and like call a match or whatever. I was like, that does sound fun, but if you just like could do it like yourself and not like with Michael Cole, like if one person got to do it with Michael Cole and that was like a you know surprise thing for somebody, maybe that's fun, you know. But like. Even at the time, Michael Cole's not the guy. At the, you know, maybe now he's like the longest tenured, uh, you know, consistently serving commentary guy in WWE. But like, it would have been cool if you could call a match with Jim Ross. You know. Yeah, yeah, like the lead, uh, the lead commentator. Yeah, for sure. But of course, 
Jim Ross had a much more important job behind the scenes than just doing commentary, so he couldn't like just go hang out at Access all day. Yeah. But hey, uh, next thing we get a weird uh, backstage uh, bathroom thing with Al Snow. He's hiding someone in a stall. Then we get a shot of boobs. It's Trish. Hey. Or no, it's not even Trish. Why, why do I say there's just a shot of boobs? Was it Trish? It is Trish. It's Trish. It, they, it's a shot of Trish's boobs, and then it zooms out, and it's Trish walking out with TNA. And they're like, let's show these people some TNA or whatever. Oh, okay. And, and then it's they, like, they don't why come- are we going to do Trish like that? Yeah. But we also get introduced to Chester McCheesington. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why we get introduced to Chester McCheesington. You know, I, I'm going to be honest. It's not the greatest uh, tag team of all time here. Al Snow and Steve Blackman. It's <laughs> so it's not like I'm really well, caught up on my lore. It's because Al Snow and Steve Blackman, um, they uh, had this kind of like, uh, it's one of those things where they didn't really have like a team up sort of deal. Um, but they kind of were like loose, like partners kind of yeah. in a way. And Al Snow is very much like, Hey, I want to have the greatest WrestleMania run of all time or WrestleMania entrance of all time. And I guess the joke is that he thinks Chester McCheeserton would be the greatest run, would be the greatest entrance. It sounds um, like an Al Snow joke, honestly. Yeah, and Steve Blackman's whole gimmick was just being like, you know, just some like hard wrestler guy that's just and who's just not going to take shit or like not going to entertain something like Chester McCheeserton. Well, I I guess so. So Chester, what Chester McCheeserton or Cheeserton or Cheesington or whatever his name is does. Uh, is he slaps his ass, which there are holes for him to... He's wearing a cheese suit. He's just a short uh, Latin man with... He was wearing a cheese suit. He's got holes for his ass, and he slaps his ass, and everyone chants, let's go head cheese. (laughs) That's it. If you're listening and you don't believe the words we just said, um, feel free to Google it for yourself just because it sounds as ridiculous as it is. It is, but everything that Robbie said is confirmed to be very correct. Um, Yeah, this is a match. I, my notes are very, get very upset at the beginning because I, Trish comes out and Jerry Lawler starts talking because a woman is near him. And I and I wrote down, can I mute just Jerry Lawler somehow? And then I was said, oh no, weird sound. Oh no, it's just Jerry Lawler. Yep, <laughs> it's very very absurd. They gave they just, I guess they gave Jr. break because he'd have to call the next match, which is a pretty long one. I think it truly was just a glitch because like the sound is messing up. Oh no! Yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. Yeah, that did happen. Where because I think he like accidentally unplugs something or hits something. Yeah, something. I think it's. I think maybe Chester McCheesington, like a cord gets caught on his like suit or something, and it just like rips out. You know. Yeah, because I've I have that note. It's on my truly a technical difficulty. 
Because Jerry Lawler is having a very hard time actually calling the match without JR. Yeah. Um, also, this is I'm just going to throw this out there. This is not really related to the match, more to the wrestlers. I think uh, Steve Blackman in this match has one of the like best male bodies I've ever seen. I like... Yeah. Saw him come out there, and I was like, fuck, that is pretty peak, like, muscles or whatever. I was kind of impressed. Yeah, you should... That That is pretty true. That's, uh... Let me see if I can find something for you, though. Uh, have you seen Tommaso Ciampa lately? Like... Not lately. I mean, I know Tommaso Ciampa's always had a pretty good, like, uh, pex kind of uh, muscle combo. He, I, here, I'm sending you, I'm just going to drop it in the uh, chat again here, but um, here we, but he has, and he was his, for his match at TakeOver most recently, I can't, I don't even think there is a percentage of body fat on him. It is that crazy. Um, hold on. Where did I save it? Why do I do these things? Why do I talk? You know? Yeah. But, it's always interesting when wrestlers do that for like to the, for their bodies for this stuff, because, um, I don't know if we've talked about it, but you do not need really to have muscles to be a wrestler. You kind of no. just need skill and agility and stuff. But, you know, obviously when they're, um, you know, taking care of themselves, they want to look good and everything. Yeah. So this is this is him getting beat up at the moment in the picture. Yeah. He de- definitely doesn't ha- like his body, his like abs definitely like uh very much like to the bone or to the muscle. Um uh I think his arms are still like not as big as No, Steve not as Black big as Black. Whatever. But they're proportional, which is not something that was yeah. uh, not something that was valued in the attitude era. <laughs> Oh yeah, and I mean definitely, like this is still like incredible shape and incredible body. I don't yeah. want to like di- like underrate it. It's still no, like insane. This was we were watching it uh, happen, and everyone in the uh, group chat for Wrestling News World was like, "What?" He walked out, and we we're like, "What the hell?" Like, <laughs> how <Yeah>. this <laughs> this dude is uh, ripped. <laughs> And that's what I want to talk about instead of this match. Uh, yeah, I it's don't a even shame. Really, Test is an I okay really wrestler, have... and Al Snow. Yeah, Test is... Al Snow is a great wrestler. <laughs> is a like, yeah, but they don't um, do much. <laughs> no, I don't even have like notes for spots from this match. I don't even remember anything particular no of noteworthy happening. Okay, here um, I do have I do have some notes here that I think are worth. Uh, this match really feels like it belongs on Raw and not WrestleMania. That I agree with. And I said, wait, is Teddy Long the ref? JR said referee Teddy Long. I haven't gotten a clear enough shot to tell. Is that Teddy Long? It is Teddy Long. And I uh, also had note, did note that part of it because I was like, it's. I wrote down, it's no surprise that Teddy Long referees this, uh, this match with all of the fucking tag team matches that are on this card. And then the only spot worth talking about was the Asai moonsault that Snow hits. <laughs> That's it. 
Yes. Okay. I do remember that. Uh, um, poor Trish. She's an all time great. And this is an awful WrestleMania debut for her. Yep. Uh, she does nothing in this, um, except have her boobs on a close up. Uh, and this match ends and it's kind of, you know, and that's wet, not even the worst moment fart. for women. In this. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, on the bright side, they do end a cheese man's career at the, after yeah. this match. They do stomp Chester McCheesington. Uh, for, I guess they're blaming him for the loss. Like Al Snow is just kind of like, "You're right. This was a dumb idea. Let's fucking kill him." Sure. I don't know. I don't really follow the logic, but I guess it's just so the crowd can get hyped to see like a cheesy man just get. Uh, pummeled into the ground. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's It was weird. It didn't belong on WrestleMania at all. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I have a lot that I didn't is, even write a rating some, down for. <laughs> this is some Vince humor right here. Yeah. Uh, we'll be right back with the second half of this episode. Sure. What is up, everybody? We're back with more uh, horrible moments for women in the WWF. Uh, hey, what about a naked woman on camera? They do. So uh, I'm going to try and describe this the same way I described Chester McChasington. Um, so this is an awful backstage bit. You have Mae Young, who is, at this point, a very old woman, uh, which is the entire bit for her, I think. Uh, And she's with the cat, who is a young woman who I think was married to Jerry Lawler at the time, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, wow. And the cat is... She's nude in a dressing room, and they're talking about what she's going to wear to the ring... And they do the Austin Powers bit where, like, there's just conveniently placed objects that uh, keep you from seeing full frontal nudity. But, like, it's even, it's less subtle than the Austin Powers bit. Because the Austin, Uh, yeah, which is hard because the Austin Powers bit, not subtle. (laughs) No. But, like, Um. it's even less subtle than that. It's truly just... At one so, point, like, they have like a little picture of a cat um, it's on, it's from, on the shirt. On shirt. Yeah, like covering up like her vagina clearly, and she's like playing with the fur as like a fingering joke. It's not good. It was bad. Yeah. It was bad. But you know what's worse? Michael Cole. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's that, it's true, but it's okay because Devon very quickly interrupts. <laughs> yes, we get a very good interview. We actually get an okay interview with Michael Cole and the Dudley Boys, uh, but it's mostly because it's the Dudley Boys. Also, gonna be honest, yeah. it's weird to see Michael Cole interview people because he's been behind the stuck behind the desk for so long that I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing backstage interviewing people? That's, yeah, it's kind of. I don't know. I feel like maybe because I grew up or whatever watching that, like it didn't feel, it wasn't striking to me. Like I obviously think of him as a, as an announcer commentator, but 
Um, I remember the early days when he would just kind of be a backstage interviewer and wrestlers fucking hated him. So I was like, yeah, this is, this is what he did. True. True. All right. Um, but Hey, I love the Dudleys and I also love edge and Christian. And you know who else I love? The Hardy boys. So hell yeah, let's put them together in the you know, precursor to the TLC match, the triangle ladder match for the WWF tag team championship. Uh, what a, what a fun match. The best match. on Absolutely. the card. I think there's no doubt that this is the best match on the card. 100%. And thumbs up on the thumbs up of the night. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my first note is, Ugh, I'm so hyped to see this. I'd never seen this match. So I was really excited for it. Really? Oh, that's awesome. So um, I, I've seen TLC. I've seen TLC one and two. I'd not seen the triangle ladder match. So uh, I, I, my first note was seen this match a hundred times. LOL. I don't know if I need to take notes. <laughs> um, I still did take notes, but I was, I took too many very, notes. I should have just enjoyed it. Yeah. I was very, very like just pleased. And before, like it was one of those things where like, before stuff happened, I like saw it happening because I remembered it so well. I was like, "Oh, they're gonna do this next. They're gonna do this next." Um, very, very fun, very entertaining match. Goes on like I think a perfect amount. Like it's paced very well. Um, and it's just you know obviously they're the like six amazing wrestlers like reshaping the ladder match. It's it's very very good. Yeah, there's so much good stuff going on here. This is all six of these guys at some at their peaks in in different ways. I think you know everyone also has had other peaks too. I think specifically Edge went on to have an amazing career after this. Jeff Hardy's had an amazing career after this. Uh, Bubba Ray Dudley, of course, uh, went on to become Bully Ray in TNA and other promotions and had a fantastic career doing that as well. So it's not like these you know. These guys didn't go on to do with it, do other things, but it's amazing that they did go on to do other things. Because I thought people died like eight times during this match. <laughs> I, yeah, it's it's fucking crazy. And uh, I mean, we could go spot by spot. There's so much good stuff here. <laughs> um, but the thing we talked, I was, I mentioned it earlier. There was a video I sent you from uh, Bully Ray's interview with Putting You Over, uh, which is a podcast uh, hosted by The Standing Streamer, who uh, is actually a contributor to Wrestling News World. Uh, he was ta- he was lucky enough to get Bully Ray on his show, and they talked about this as well as TLC 1 and 2, and how great they were, and how none of it was planned on paper. They didn't sit down and write it out and rehearse everything. And, you know, some of it's a little bit of... Uh, guys who used to do it in the nineties and early two thousands ragging on the way that people do things today. But at the same time, it gave me a whole different appreciation for those three matches because wow, how do you plan something? How, how are you able to keep all of that straight? Well, almost definitely giving yourself concussions consistently throughout the entire Oh yeah. Like, um, and I mean, that's just kind of like the, the old school way of doing it. Like, yeah. I know like 
you know, these these six people thought that way. A lot of like ECW originals, like I know Rob Van Dam and Sabu thought that way. Like it was just a very I, there was like this not not necessarily like the uh, the faces of the brand kind of wrestlers like the Rock and Stone Cold and them, but like there's this um, small worker kind of section in this time um, in on here in WCW in ECW and stuff that just valued like the like chemistry in a match and just like uh, calling things in the moment and stuff that. Yeah is very, very difficult to do because obviously, like you're saying, like you're taking hits, you're taking bumps, you could take like extreme damage and stuff, but you still have to like think, okay, what's the next thing to do when to do it? Like think about time management and stuff. Like it's all crazy. How the, the, the fact that they can, they can do any of this without plan, replanning things is crazy. Yeah. And I will say that's not to say that people like Stone Cold and the Rock didn't call things in their matches because of course they did. But usually it wasn't stuff like championship matches or the main event of Wrestle or any WrestleMania match, you know? Yeah. Because plus, I mean, Stone Cold talks about like, valuing that, but also Stone Cold and The Rock weren't doing triangle ladder matches. That's exactly what I was going to say. They're not falling off of ladders on the tables as consistently as these people are. Oh, just go watch this match. I could. I don't even want to sit here and read off everything I liked about it. There's too much, and that's not fun for anyone. That's not good listening. So go watch this match if you haven't. If you have and you think I'm dumb for having not watched it before, you're right. Um, tables, Here's- ladders, everything was out. It has a perfect finish. <laughs> it's so good. That that Literally, that last spot, with Matt Hardy going off of the one table set on top of the two ladders into another table is perfect. It's Oh yeah. And honestly, uh it's just I don't know like just it underrated his like his complete like perfect flip and like how well it collapses onto the table like it just is even for like just a clean fall into a table like it just is it's so smooth and perfect. Like Matt Hardy is, it doesn't land awkwardly. It just collapses and breaks perfectly. Yeah. Matt Hardy has been put through many, many tables in his career. He's very good at it. This may be the best that he ever goes through a table. Just the way it breaks under. And (laughs) you know, I, I totally agree that or when, uh, or in TNA, when, (laughs) He gets broken in half and becomes broken Matt Hardy. Like it's those are there's an argument for that one. But this is a <laughs> the way the table just seems to shatter underneath him. Like it's and he, yeah, there's nothing he can do personally to make that happen. But it works so well. Um, I gave it a five. It's a it's a great match. <laughs> it's my favorite match yeah. of the night. Yep, same here. Uh. Interview with Mick Foley and Linda McMahon. Does does anything happen in this? Does Mick Foley just go bang bang? Is that does he um, even go bang it, bang? He does go bang bang. It's decent. I mean, it's still he, weird. He kind that of just says Linda McMahon is the one in his corner. It makes no. It makes no sense. Yeah, it's it's a. Uh, uh, it doesn't make sense. He kind of just does, you know, classic like. 
I have the Cinderella story. It's going to happen for me. It's not going to happen for the other wrestlers kind okay. of thing to it that it's like, it's not anything. I didn't, I didn't think it was anything amazing. I was like, eh, it's fine. Yeah. Um, next we get Val Venus is enters and he's the special referee from the next match. And he's got a fancy referee towel to go with it. Um, and then Terry with the fabulous moolah and the cat with Mae Young are in a cat fight. Hey, hey Robbie, did yes. you know that Venus rhymes with penis? Uh, you're, you're getting five minutes of muted time for that. <laughs> I'm serious. You, you, don't, you don't get to say anything. You are muted. You, you can listen to this tomorrow and find out that you are muted for this. Um, this entire, you know what? I won't do a full five minutes. You just don't get to talk about this match. Um, <laughs> it's bad. It's a bad match. Um, no, I'm kidding. I'll turn you back on Phoenix. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, so the match doesn't have a pinfall finish or a submission finish. The specific rules of the cat fight is the first person to be sent out of the ring is the loser. Sure. I guess. It's not even like over the top rope. It's not. Nope. It's not. Uh, so there are some spears. I put quotation marks around spears whenever they call it a spear here. Um, yeah, there's, it's mostly just people kissing Val Venus. Yeah. One minute in, I, I counted it one minute in and he made out with both wrestlers. Two um, minutes in, and he's made out with uh, May Young too. Yep. Uh, I mean, we can kind of just blow by this really quickly. Like yeah. he, they they make out with each other. Then at one point, like someone gets thrown out, but he's distracted by May Young. And then at another point, like it happens again, is distracted by May Young. And then, uh, and then the third time, then Moolah pulls the cat out. And throws yeah, Terry, and Terry back wins. in, and then Terry wins. Uh, the only thing after that is May Young hits a Bronco Buster on Moolah, and Cat rips Terry's leggings, and we see that she's wearing a thong. Yeah, as if all women's wrestlers at the time weren't required to wear thongs. <laughs> as if this yeah. is shocking. As yeah. It's um bad. I, I put finish bad. I said rating point yeah. five because there was some kind of story here. <laughs> it almost um, was a zero. It almost it almost wasn't anything. I yeah. had to give it something because there was <laughs> something did happen. I didn't like that it happened, but it did. Yeah, so. this was my uh, sad face of the show. Mm-hmm. It was. Um, we should note it is the only singles match in this entire card. Um, I guess that's. I'm going to mute myself before I talk. I get too mad. <laughs> I guess that is something to be, <laughs> to call notable about it. Um, so you know, there's that part of it, but as the only singles match, which I would already gonna like, what is, <laughs> I'm gonna say, they should uh, feel bad about because it. There should be another singles match, at least on this card. Um, this one's not a good one. Um, not at all. 
And, you know, we had this and we didn't have Trish Stratus in, in a singles yeah. match. So, bad. Not good. Do it again. WWE. Yeah. Um, I, I think my note was, I hate this. This is from this century. Like, I know this. It, 2000. It, it's a different era. I know it's a different era in wrestling. But it is from this century. And we should feel bad that this happened in the 21st century. You know? We should. Um, other than that, we got uh, a backstage segment with the Radicals. Sure. That was fine. Um, the Radicals here are... Re- then we get into the next match, which is the Radicals versus Too Cool in China. Uh, the Radicals here are represented by Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, and Perry Saturn. Uh, Chris Benoit will be having a match later. Um, this is actually a pretty fun match. Everyone in it is a good wrestler, which is like, again, doesn't always happen in six man tags, but like, (laughs) uh, I don't know why I just wrote, I hate Jerry Lawler. I'm sure he said something offensive or horrible. I don't know. Um, I will say most of this match. Oh, you're doing a weird breakup thing. Um, just unplug your mic and plug it back in or do whatever you need to do. I'll talk about this match. Um, so uh, this match, is, it's like I said, it's fun. There's no huge spots here, but it's really good storytelling. Um, but for the most part, uh, you back, Phoenix? Nope, he's out right now. Um, so this is, it was fun. I feel bad that it happened during this match because I did not write down what the finish was. And that is my fault. Um, but hey, Scotty uh, 2 Hotty hits. What, oh, did you hear that? What's the yeah, finish to this match? Am I good? <laughs> yeah, you're good. What's, what uh, is the finish to this match? I didn't write it down. The, the finish, isn't it? Um, China suplex on Eddie Guerrero? Yes, that is exactly what it is. Yes. Yeah. I started, I got caught up in it, what was going on, and stopped writing notes after China double low blow. Um, yeah. Um, China yeah, and no, Eddie Guerrero, was... great on-screen relationship. Good chemistry in the ring, too. Definitely. And, yeah, this um, uh, was, a very, was a fun match. You know, everyone, like you said, everyone's, everyone is a good wrestler in it. There's a lot of um, fun moments in it, a lot of, like, humorous moments, too, and, like, Moments that are actually funny, unlike how sometimes WWE is, mm-hmm. uh, like Chester McCheeserton. Um, uh, and yeah, uh, uh, I think my favorite part of the match is just seeing the different ways Eddie Guerrero like tries to escape from China at, at first, and the way he like kind of like goes under her legs and runs away really fast. Um, it's just a you know a nice fun match, um, uh, and it was definitely a breath of fresh air. Yeah, for sure. And it also reminded me, we should let more women fight men. Intergender wrestling is can be good when you have the right people involved. You know? Definitely. WWE definitely. has been scared to do it since China uh, left, which is fair. But since yeah. China left, more women have been doing it outside of WWE. So... I, I, I thought we would, we would have it with the Alexa Bliss-Randy Orton match, but that didn't actually really happen. Honestly, and I was talking about this the other day with some people, um, because we it got teased on SmackDown last week. Um, 
there was a six-man tag uh, that was the Street Profits and Bianca Belair on one team, and Bailey teamed up with uh, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode on the other team. And we got, for a second, we got a tease that Bianca and Dolph Ziggler were going to square off. And I it, maybe it's a hot take, but if WWE is going to start uh, including intergender wrestling, Dolph Ziggler needs to be one of the guys involved in that. He's an ultra-safe worker who is consistent and always makes his opponents look really, really good. And that's how you get... That, that, that is the kind of worker you need to get something like that over. Because you know, there is going to be... WWE is so mainstream that it's going to be hard to get more casual fans into something like that. But I think Dolph's the guy to do it with. I think that's how you make those matches look really, really good and really polished. Uh, I would agree with that. Um, And then there's also like Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae and NXT. And uh, there's several people in NXT who have, you know, on the independent circuit actually had very, very good intergender matches. Yeah. I'm a little, uh, what is it? Skeptical or like in doubt of how WWE is going to move forward with their women's division after like the, podcast that Mickey James had where she kind of like um, basically did a shoot on like everything backstage with the stuff she wanted to have done and stuff like that. And um, since her release, so I don't know if I'm fully like in belief that stuff like that could happen, but obviously I'm for it. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I also, I, I wonder there's either two things, either they just, really like double down, which is usually the WWE way of doing it. Or it's the kind of kick in the ass they need to like take their L and do better. You know, there's, yeah, there's no way to guarantee what it's going to be, but Hey, you know what we can guarantee that Shane McMahon was in the corner of the big show and they cut a promo together backstage. That big nasty bastard. Yeah. They were really trying with the big show. They were trying to figure out what made him interesting other than him being big. And I don't know what it was. (laughs) (laughs) We like him. He seems like a nice enough guy. I get why he stuck around for so long. But I still have never really understood who is the big show and what, what is his deal. Uh, well, uh, it's I mean, the you big know, show. Uh, sorry, you said. I'm well. sure you know the yeah. Fair, fair enough. I'm sure you know the like the running gag of um having Big Show turn heel, um, because WWE just does that all the time on any occasion they can with Big Show. So he doesn't really have the most consistent character, um. Or really any kind of, like, solid character. He just kind of is the big show, you know? Do you know what his first words on AEW were? Now that he's Paul White on AEW? Uh, what? He, he, they, you know, they played his new theme. He walks out and he's wearing his shirt that says, No More BS, which people are like, oh, is that his character? I was like, no, it literally means No More Big Show. Like, it's... It's that yeah. kind of, uh, it's that kind of a pot shot at them. But 
Uh, Makes sense. He takes the, he gets the mic and he says, well, who could have predicted this turn coming? And he raised his, I was like, this is dumb. This, (laughs) how much money did they pay him to come out and say that? Like, (laughs) ah, we love meta commentary. (laughs) Yeah. That's the, I like AEW. I like the wrestling on AEW. The stuff I can't stand is the meta commentary and the uh, amount of like just weird shots at WWE while they're doing particularly well. Like they're getting good ratings. They're doing they're doing everything right. Why are they fighting like they're getting <laughs> their asses beat? You know. But yeah. Anyway, uh, they want another Monday Night War. Even though there's no war to even be had because they're not in the same de- night. Yeah. Oh well, you know. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, <laughs> we might end up with a Tuesday night war. Did you see that? Uh, is AEW moving to Tuesday? They might. We don't know what's going to happen. There, uh, but TNT def- Turner definitely just got the rights to the NHL, which is on Wednesday nights. Which. Wow. Uh, could move things around. I think it's more likely that they get moved to TBS, honestly, which sucks for them, but <laughs> I don't think they want to move to another night because that would, it just, it doesn't work. Uh, TBS. That'd be, that'd be something. I feel like, I don't know. I, I mean, I think, Oh man, that's tough because there's they're still gonna have basketball. Yeah, they too. got NBA on Thursdays and sometimes on Tuesdays, right? Yeah. So like yeah, even Tuesday would be difficult. Yeah. It's it's a it's an interesting conversation. And nothing's for sure. Uh, you know. They could you know, TNT could say the basketball place and TBS could become baseball and hockey, you know? There's yeah. there's a lot that's up in the air. But you know what wasn't up in the air? Chris Jericho versus Chris Benoit versus Kurt Angle. It was a very grounded match. Wait, 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 wait. You got the name wrong. Chris Jericho versus Kurt Angle in triples action. <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> in triples action wins the Intercontinental title. Yeah, triples action won. One one of the falls. This is a a two fall (laughs) match. This is a two falls match for the Intercontinental and European Championships. Um, I will say I thought this could have been interesting. The stipulation, and then was um, almost immediately proven wrong because it (laughs) sucks after the first fall that the match keeps going. (laughs) Like. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I liked it. What, what did you, what did you not like about it? I just think it really kills the crowd. It's like the crowd takes the next, it takes the next five minutes for the crowd to be like, okay, okay. So we don't care that someone won the intercontinental. Okay. We got to just care that somebody's going to walk out with the European championship now. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering if they swapped the order of the championships, if maybe that would have. Cause like, or maybe it wouldn't have, because I don't, I don't know how much people, um, sort of valued or like, or had like, pref- like preferences between the intercontinental and European title. Like, 
I mean, obviously for me, I have way more of a connection to the Intercontinental title. So I was maybe a little bit like, oh, now I just have to care who gets the European title, which is like not as important or whatever. Yeah. Um, not to discredit any European champion, but I was like, obviously have more of a connection with the Intercontinental belt. So I'm wondering if maybe they flipped it and had the second fall be for the Intercontinental title, if that would have maybe kept interest afloat because it's a more prestigious title. Um, but I don't know. I liked the... Um, I, I liked yeah, it really Flynn depends on what ben they wanted Wong. to do. Because it I does... Ben Wong got the fall and then was about to pin him again, then Kurt Angle rushes back in to like stop it and then keep it going. I thought yeah. that was like a I thought that was a like a good spot and then um it kept my interest in watching personally. Yeah. Oh personally I was into it. Like personally I was into the whole match. I just took note that the like the crowd had a hard time transitioning. Like the crowd went real cold for a little bit. And then was fine. Yeah. Like it was and I was just taking notes of different times the crowd was not into things in this match. Like, yeah. not, not even it. Like there were, there was never a time where like the crowd turned on a match, but there were times where it was clearly, okay, none of us care about this, you know? So no, yeah, I definitely agree. And this that. wasn't exactly one of those, but it was like the crowd was like, oh, we don't, okay, we don't cheer. And then like everyone was just like uncomfortable. Like no one wanted to be the first person to like get back into it for a while, you know? Yeah. Like, but I mean, the three guys in the ring knew how to win the crowd back. They did. They pulled it off. And I will say, overall, too short of a match for two Definitely. title changes to for two big title changes to happen. Definitely On, too small of a match, and like, uh, for even like a, for a two fall, especially, and then you know, like this is these are wrestlers that you know can put on a bigger show that they probably could have extended it longer. Um. But also, you know, I get it. Like, um, Benoit and Jericho are still very new to the company, so they probably don't want to give them like too much of a, like too big of a WrestleMania match. Mm-hmm. And Kurt soon. Angle is brand new; it's not a full year. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess you're right. So all three of them are extremely new wrestlers, so they're probably not like you guys can get like a thirty minute match or something. Yeah. Like they they just didn't trust it at this point. So I kind of which is weird. But, because what you expect from these three guys is, you know, a 25-minute clinic is really what I was hoping for, you know? Yeah, I mean, def- like, when you look at the talent, you're like, this is, like, this is a classic in the making. It's a dream. But... It is a dream match. It is three. Yeah. It's three guys that are in the conversation for greatest of all time in the ring. Like. <laughs> yeah, and so you do think that. But when you put in a context, you're like. Well, Chris Jericho just got there because of he's still doing the like um, Y2J, Welcome to WrestleMania's Jericho stuff. Chris Benoit, we know, just came in because they're, they're still the radicals. Like, falling apart. They're still the radicals. And then Kurt Angle, yeah, he's still he's still very new coming off of like the Olympic stuff or whatever and mm-hmm. like testing out his strengths and stuff. So um, then you're like, oh, okay, well, I understand why it's so short because yeah. they were so new they didn't even like. I mean, they're getting, what is it, booked? They're still, I, mean, I, you know, they're still booked pretty high in the card, I guess. But yeah, yeah, they're just not given a lot of um, time. Yep. Um, and I think doing the falls the way having Benoit get the first fall is good, especially because it leads into how the second fall happens, where you end up with 
Benoit missing the flying headbutt again, and Jer- Jericho's able to counter it and turn into a lion's salt to get the pin. You're like, everyone is, it works, it all works out well. Like, every, that, you know, of course, you know, you, you watch it and you're like, oh, of course Benoit's not going to win it with the same move. Uh, two falls in a row. And yeah, Angle was on the outside watching when the when he lost the first belt. So he knows <laughs> to get out of the way. And then he just gets out in the wrong way and Jericho hits that lion salt, which, oh, so good. Yeah, and I mean, I do like, you know, it has a good story of like, Angle win, Angle loses both belts, but doesn't get pinned or tap out himself. So, like, that's obviously something they can keep building on. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah, Angle being pissed at the end is great. Yeah, uh, I wrote down poor Kurt. Yeah. Oh, it um, broke his before freaking move neck. On, before I move on, um, Angle's moonsault was so pretty, and yes. I'm actually upset. I'm, I'm upset, upset he didn't land it. it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have that note too. He, he got such lift in that jump, and then like his like moonsault curve is so nice, and then he like he misses it, and I was like, "Damn, that would have been like such a clean, good move." Yeah. Um. Next thing we have is Vince getting interviewed about the upcoming main event. Uh, he just he says, you know, he's got the best guy, and that uh. I, I don't know. He says something about Triple H not being actually good enough to hold the title or something. And then we get a segment with Triple H and Stephanie where they're talking about how they run the WWF. Then we get X-Pac and the Road Dog with Tori versus Rikishi and Kane. Yeah. The classic pairing of Rikishi and Kane. Sure. Why? Why this match? <laughs> um, did this just know. exist for? It seems like two. Th- they needed two things to happen at this WrestleMania. They wanted Tori to take a stink face, and Kane needed to attack Pete Rose. Yeah, and they just decided to do them both in this fifteen-minute span. Uh, I think you're also missing a key part of this, and that is they also probably wanted D-Generation X in a match. Yes. Um, you're right. You're because, right. Because people were still pretty over with D-Generation X. Um, but but I agree with you that it definitely feels like a, like a hodgepodge setup for those moments of getting Tori to take a stink face because... That is, you know, the craziest fucking thing in the world. Like a pretty woman getting sting faced. Oh God! And then also, yeah, the continuing uh, like saga of Pete Rose and Kane. Uh, this match uh, loses uh, a half a point to begin with because Jerry Lawler uh, uses the R word, and it's just nah. That's not cool. Calls Kane the big, yeah. yeah um, I could quote it, but I, I don't. I don't like to say it myself. It's not, you know. Yeah, yeah it's bad. Um, and he I knows this my... is, it's one of those where you're like, he knows it's he knows he shouldn't be saying it because he's the heel commentator. Like, yeah. So, fuck you, Jerry um, Lawler. <laughs> um, I think my favorite 
uh, well, not my favorite, but one notable sp- spot I think is Xbox spin kick in the, in the turnbuckle. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Pretty clean. And Rikishi's pop up cutter on Xbox is good too. That was also good. Um, but at, in the end, the finish is Kane hits Xbox with a tombstone. Tori after after Tori takes the stink face. And then Too Cool comes out to celebrate with Kane and Rikishi. And supposedly Pete Rose shows up in a San Diego chicken suit. But then they all dance. And then wait, it wasn't Pete Rose in the chicken suit. He has a baseball bat. He's going to attack Kane. But Pete Rose takes a choke slam. Then, you ready for this? Ready for this, Phoenix? It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Hmm. Pete Rose, he takes a stink face. (laughs) <laughs> it's a, oh my god Pete Rose he's a man and he's got another man's butt in his face <laughs> what is he gay <laughs> that is uh, some comedy if I've ever if I've ever heard of it I, I think that had a setup and a punchline yes <laughs> Um. yeah so overall not a good match really not a good um, match if it if the the worst part is if the only singles match of the cat fight hadn't been so bad, this would be a great candidate for sad face of the night, sad face of the show. That is true. This one or the opener. Yeah. Jeez, do I need to change my overall rating for this show? <laughs> like, I didn't think it was that bad when I started writing about when like I was. <laughs> watching it in bits and pieces, and now I'm like, do I need to just, like, is this a bad WrestleMania? And the answer might be yes. <laughs> maybe. Um, but we still have one more match, and maybe this one will lift your spirits up. It's a 3.5. This match is a 3.5, and that might be too nice. <laughs> uh, it's the McMahon in every corner main event. You got hey. Vince McMahon with his wrestler, The Rock, Linda McMahon with her wrestler, Mick Foley. Uh, Shane hey. McMahon with his wrestler, The Big Show. And hey. Stephanie McMahon with her wrestler, Triple H. And one hey. of the wrestlers is going to walk out with the world championships, but who cares? It's about the McMahons. Yeah, because it's about who's the best McMahon. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Is it about anything? Um. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's both the WWF championship title and then also just settling some bet that isn't really that bet, really. Again, like I said at the top, this is very much just the McMahons kind of stroking their own ego and their yeah. own family like legacy because there's not much of a story to it. They kind of have a loose uh, rivalry between each other, um, but... It's just kind of the McMahon's doing the McMahon shit. And then, you know, to set up the, the heel turn by Vince. Sure. Um, JR makes a good point at the beginning that it is not Mankind or Cactus Jack or Dude Love that is in the main event of WrestleMania. It is Mick Foley and good for Mick Foley. Um, proud of him. Yeah. Uh, also, the WWF makes the right choice and has the champ come out last, even though he isn't accompanied by the biggest McMahon and is not the biggest star in this match. Yeah. Um, he also, uh, comes out in that weird, all kind of forgotten 
uh, Triple H theme, which is the pre-Motorhead post Hunter Hearst Helmsley like regal theme, which is like that. Yeah, post yeah post DX DX theme. theme. Yeah, yeah. Which I always forget about. I'm always like, that's a weird. That's a weird one. Yeah, I was ready for. It's all about the game. How you play it? All about control. I was ready for that, but it wasn't. Wasn't it? Yeah, but he did spit water. The regular DX one. It was the alt one. But yeah, he does the the water spit, which is like, all right, we're there. Um, cool. Uh, winner can only be by pinfall, and oh, it's an elimination match. They didn't mention that at all leading up to this. Not, Not at all. Which is actually why, um. Uh, for a vague second, I forgot that it was the elimination match when when the when the when Big Show got eliminated. I was like, I was like, wait, what? Um, and then I was like, oh right, this is elimination match. I I forgot about that. <laughs> I'm like, uh, my older cousin would be upset with me that I forgot about that. Um, so like most elimination matches, everyone focuses on the big guy first, and then the big guy gets taken out. Wait, we forgot to bring up one other key thing. What? Um, the this WrestleMania is three hours and eighteen minutes long, and when we this match starts, we are at the uh, two hour and twenty minute mark, which makes this match like a fifty minute match. Yeah, that is uh, true. which is to answer your question earlier about why you cannot believe this is a three hour and eighteen minute match or eighteen minute show. It's because this last match is kind of a third of the whole thing. It's true. That being said, I don't want to talk about it for that long. <laughs> Same. I don't, I don't, um, I mean, the big spots here is Big Show gets taken down. I liked Hunter trying to convince, uh, Foley and Rock to turn on each other. That was a fun story beat. Uh, yeah, that was a good moment. I like that Foley brings out a barbed wire two by four and that it gets used like more than once. Um, there's some great DDTs in this. Yeah. But most for the most part it's just kind of a brutal match. Lots of clotheslines, lots of uh closed fist action. There's a botched elbow drop by Foley. That was kind of sad. Oh, that yeah. That botched elbow misses. drop and he hits that that looked rough. And then yeah. Triple H tries to fix it and break the table and he has to do it like 3 times. Yeah, that was a pretty awkward kind of sad moment. I was like, "Oh, this really just kind of is a huge black mark in this match because it is very clearly a botch and not a good recovery of it. Yeah. But hey, um, I'm Foley gets a little moment with the crowd before he leaves after he takes a pedigree onto a chair. Um, yeah. Foley weirdly turns on the rock, which I didn't quite understand, but um, I it you know, it sets it up why they, he gets eliminated. Yeah. Um, and then most of it's just the rock and triple H hitting their moves on each other. Uh, I will say loved the bit with the rock has the steps and he goes for it, uh, is going to go hit triple H, but triple H hits, uh, takes a chair and like blocks, use the chair, uses the chair to block the steps and then starts beating the step, beating the steps with the chair to crush the rock. Okay, but that was actually that actually looked really painful. Yes, like, but it was great. It was great. All, but this, yeah, no, and it, it was it was very good. Um, but those stairs like hit 
the rock in the face. Like, yeah. I think like right above the eye. And I was like, Oh my God. And then he like falls and then Trish just keeps hammering him in. And I was like, damn, this looks like actually really brutal. Um, especially since I don't even think the Rockets recovered from that first hit. Yeah. Um, and there's very little blood in this match. Despite that. Yeah. Despite that. I think Vince has the most blood. Yeah. Um, um big back body drop onto the floor for triple H. Yeah, that was pretty nasty. Um, and then I, my note here is Shane comes out and attacks Vince. And I just say, already at this point, when Shane returns to attack Vince, I put, this match is the epitome of overbooked. Yep. And then Vince is the first one to get busted open. Rock takes the two by four to the head. Uh, Shane uh, gets hit by Triple H because the Rock catapults him. We get a Rock bottom. Vince comes out back out to attack Shane. Vince turns on the rock. The rock kicks out after Vince attacks him. The rock takes another shot from Vince and then triple H gets the pin and someone throws a drink at Vince. <laughs> That's the finish <laughs> is someone throws a drink at Vince. <laughs> yep. It's, um, uh, That's the match. We can talk about everything that happens after the match. After we finish, wrap up the match. Yeah. Because um, the aftermath is the final 10 minutes of the show. Yeah. Um, I, I personally think, for the match part of it, I think it was still fairly good for the most part. The only thing is, I think, first off, um, Big Show kind of very quickly gets eliminated, which is like uh, understandable, but also like given how long the match is and how you like book this to be like a decent fatal four way, it, it really makes them look like the makes them look like trash added in. Yeah. It looks, yeah, it looks like trash. Um, the botch is bad. And then, you know, I think for, you know, a WrestleMania that with like a 50 minute main event, I don't think you should end it on just like a complete, like heel, win kind of thing it's the same reason why i kind of was a little um even though i enjoyed the the roman reigns edge dana bryan match of this last wrestlemania that we just had um i was a little like eh, on the end just because i was like we had this long match and then it kind of comes down to jay Uso um interfering but yeah uh and i've, I've been thinking but that, that one I, that if one's they... a little more understandable at least because yeah. it's not like a huge overbooking like this one is. Um, Quick question. I since you brought it like, up. Yeah. If they had swapped the main events, if Sasha and Bianca had made evented Sunday night, would you have been more okay with the ending to the triple threat? I think so. I agree. I, think, I agree. I don't have a, I, I, but I've been thinking yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think so. And, uh, you know, obviously in hindsight, they probably should have done that. But um, that being that being said, obviously, I mean, I still like that match, and I like this one too. I just think that the fact that it ends with just it's like a such a brutal match, and you know, Triple H and The Rock have a pretty solid like back and forth between each other and like moves and stuff. Um, the fact that it ends with just Triple H or sorry Vince hitting The Rock with chairs two times in a row is kind of like. I don't know, kind of like a cheap ending. Yeah, a little bit. It feels like, and this is a few years later, it feels like 
Ruthless Aggression era SmackDown main events where yeah. there's a lot going on and you find a way to get everybody back in the ring kind of as a, you know, for mostly for the fans that are there in attendance just to get to see everyone again. But you do, you, that's how you do it, you know? Yeah. But once again, it also goes back to something that we have to remember, which is this is the McMahons just making the whole thing about themselves because at, at the end of the day, it is a McMahon storyline. So I guess it sh- should be expected that, or not expected, but it should in theory make sense that Vince is the big heel turn into the big story moment. It just kind of makes the match itself feel like it shouldn't be the main event because yeah. it's not about the wrestlers. Yep. So that being said, after the match, uh, you know, someone throws a drink at Vince and the match is over at that point. Uh, Vince and Stephanie, they hug in the ring. The Rock is being let out of the on the ramp. He turns around. He's pissed. You know what? He comes to the ring and Shane gets a rock bottom. And then you know who else gets a rock bottom? Vince gets a rock bottom. And then Stephanie is like, what, what are you doing? You're beating up my dad and my brother, who I'm apparently friends with now. And uh, she slaps the rock. And you know what, Stephanie? She gets a rock bottom. Great. I love the rock bottom. And then Stephanie gets a people's elbow, which is not as good. I do like <laughs> that he sets up the people's elbow and he stops Triple H from getting into the ring first, which is, is, is a good, was a good move there, a good little addition. Oh, yeah. And also, it you know, answers the question, where was Triple H? <laughs> yeah. And then it's like a nice, like, you know... Yeah, and then the whole thing ends and you've got The Rock's music playing and everyone's cheering. Yeah, which I think is only because if you end with Vince just turning heel, everyone walks away pissed off. At the very least, you give them something to cheer about, which is The Rock kind of going nuts. Which leads to another question about WrestleMania 37. If someone had come out and attacked Roman after that main event, would you have been more okay? If, like, a baby face... like? If babyface Brock Lesnar had come out and turned on <laughs> Paul Heyman and Roman, like, would you know, that... honestly, not really, but just because I felt, I just felt like that Roman Wayne, Roman Reigns winning is not bad. True. Like he he definitely the whole time, like we talked about, like it was a very even split of who could deserve to win that match or whatever. So it's like. I'm not even mad that Roman Reigns won because I think he had full reasoning to, and I think even in the match did enough to like deserve the win. It just feels like either it just feels a little cheap that the finish itself is Jay running in to stop the like to stop Edge, and then it lets Roman win. True. Like it just is like that's just like not as a fun ending to it rather than having Roman Reigns just kind of reverse something himself or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah so and it's not, it it's not really a turn. It's not a turn like this where you need a happy moment to end it. It's just a, the head of the table yeah. is the head of the table kind of, mo- you know? Yeah. Plus it's like, I mean, this one is different. Cause like Vince fully, like you said, he fully turns on the rock like Jey Uso. We know is going to, backup Roman so like it's not even like a story thing it's more just like 
this is just how they chose to end it because they had Jay like finally come back from getting hurt earlier. Um, it's like you know two different things when you think about it. Yeah. That being said, what do you think of this uh, WrestleMania overall? Um, overall, I think that this WrestleMania is uh, only to be revisited in small moments in certain matches. I don't, I wouldn't, but I mean, obviously if you're going, if you want to watch WrestleMania for the first time, like I, I understand you, you, should, you know, watch it. But if you ever want to revisit it, I think you only really need to revisit um, the triangle ladder match. And then maybe bits and pieces of other stuff, like bits of the, of the main event, bits of the, the intercontinental belt or intercontinental match. Um, and that's kind of it. So the hardcore overall, battle Royal I, is what I will. The hardcore battle Royal has some fun stuff in it too. Overall though, I think I have to give it a, a three out of 10. That's fair. I gave it a four out of 10, um, which uh, I, I had it at a six out of 10 last night. And then as we talked about it, I was like, no, this is a four out of 10 but I didn't feel justified in totally cutting the whole uh, rating in half. (laughs) Yeah, that's, yeah, that's fair. And I think, you know, like it just has, it would be a little bit better if it had a few mediocre matches, but it just has too many, like bad, actually very bad matches. And that really like brings it down a lot. Yeah, Um, exactly. Exactly. All right, dude, do you have anything else to say about this WrestleMania? Uh, I, we didn't get a chance to watch, um, the 1,999 WrestleManias before that, which I think is an issue, but we'll get um, to them. Yeah, we'll get to them. All right. Phoenix, where can everyone find you on the internet? You can find me at bombass Phoenix on Twitter. I hope to tweet things you like, and you can find me at BA Phoenix on TikTok. All right. Uh, you can find me on the internet pretty much everywhere at Robbie D. Shazer. Uh, I write for Wrestling News World. I write opinion articles on AEW and NXT every week. I actually put a poll up this week asking you guys what you wanted to see more from my opinion articles, and I'm going to do that. Uh, I'm going to start doing more of what you guys want to see. Uh, but if you're the one person who voted for me to retire, I just want to talk, bro. I just want to talk. <laughs> but I will. Wow. I got will haters in your DMs. Yeah, I got haters. I got haters out there. Apparently, uh, that being said, we have other shows on Fifty Oh Eight Media. Please go listen to them. Uh, thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week. Thank you guys so much. See ya. Fifty Two Oh Eight Media.